0: This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
1: Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, done Elvis Andrews.
0: And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field,
1: and Nino left the Guerrero lifts one to left field, and...
2: Well I just gotta tell you coming up here at five o'clock is our GM David Force at five. Eno Saris from Fangrass. We gotta get into this prediction he had, well, these humidors that we'd have record home runs. That didn't happen. That'll happen at 445. Brody Brazil from NBC Sports California at four thirty. But we have a new show we're gonna unveil today that a lot of you don't know about. It's called the Brett Phillips (laughs) Show here on A's Cast Live. As we've had him on the field before, but because of COVID, we haven't been able to see him the last couple of years. Obviously, the career he has had, one of the most entertaining and best guys to interview in the game. And you say, wait a minute, you can't have – a Rays Players Show. Well, this is my station. I can do whatever the hell I want. Welcome to your program. What is the first sponsor you want me to get? Oh,
3: my goodness. I'm so excited. Just tinkled a little bit in my pants. I apologize. But, man, Chris, it's good to see you, like you said, with the past couple years. We haven't been able to meet face-to-face, man. Always a pleasure. Uh, First sponsorship on the list would be Hidden Valley Ranch. I'm a big ranch kind of guy. A ranch connoisseur. You know, so I don't eat much without ranch. So if we want to reach out to Hidden Valley, let's make that work. We'll get we'll get all the boys loaded up with some ranch. So, you know what
2: we're going to do? We're going to get you a deal down at Pebble Beach, get you a ton of ranch. Uh, what kind of car do you want to drive?
3: Uh, you know, you can give me a bike, a little bird scooter, whatever. Whatever, you know, they got accessible. Or a Lamborghini, you know, same, same, but different.
2: Lamborghini, ranch, Pebble, done. Every month, the Brett Phillips Show right here on A's Cast Live. We're cutting deals. I can see it happening. How are you?
3: Oh, man. If I was any better, I, I, I think I would be you. All right? like I, How good is it? This I know. is my office. <laughs> this is your office. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are listening, the weather out here in Oakland is beautiful. Probably, what, 65 and sunny. Got my baseballs Fun shirt, my Bruce Bolt batting gloves on, and I'm just excited, man. I'm blessed to be out here.
2: Yeah, I think about it, and I know I just asked you, but we'll do it on the air, too. You know, Anybody who plays 81 games in a dome, when you can be in California, you don't have the humidity, you don't have the heat, you're outside in the sun, it's got to be a good treat, and you guys really got to probably enjoy coming out west. Yeah, we
3: get the best of both worlds, especially when we come out here to California. You know, I'm a Florida boy, born and raised, but when I come out here and experience the California weather like you talk about, um, it gives you a new perspective on just nice weather. So, Definitely, um, you know it's it's good to get some vitamin D over at the trop. You get the best of both worlds with being it. it's seventy two degrees right in air conditioning, but you don't get the sun. Yeah. And so, uh, like when we go on the road, you gotta take it all in. Like you said, it's just beautiful. The last time we
2: had you on, Cody, what was when when was that? We had him on the phone from the trop. I
4: think it was uh, last year, actually. Yeah.
2: And we made promos. About you growing up next to Mandy Randy Macho Man Savage, and when I was a kid growing up, like he was, he and Hulk Hogan were star. They were iconic, right? They were when when we were kids. Hulk Hogan was the highest paid guy. He was bigger than any baseball player because it was after Rocky Three when he when he was Thunderwhips. And you think of Randy Macho Man Savage. You think of Ric Flair. These guys were making more money than any baseball players or football players. And you're a kid living next to this guy. And you you didn't really realize how big he was. No,
3: not at all. I didn't grow up watching wrestling. You know, I didn't realize how much of an icon Randy was until he passed away, unfortunately. But as a kid, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth grade, Um, playing basketball with this guy who's got the raspiest voice ever. He goes, Maverick, let's play some basketball. The macho uh, man, Randy Savage, yeah. Yeah, rise the cream to the crop. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There he is right there. That's awesome. Man, you know, it just – R.I.P. to to Mr. Pofo. What a what a great human being he was. I watched his wife's Chrysler 300 every Wednesday for forty dollars, which was nice supplemental income. Uh, Lynn, his, his wife, still lives next door. She's great great friends with the family. But like I said, I didn't I didn't watch wrestling, so I didn't know Randy was this just big icon. You know that you know in the wrestling world that everyone looked up to. And uh, now getting to hear stories from people like you who grew up watching him and um, Hulk Hogan, it's just, it's really cool to, to know that I had someone like that living next door that I got to play basketball with.
2: Yeah, their old, like, WrestleManias used to have, like, Super Bowl numbers. It was insane how big the ratings were and then pay-per-view and they made a lot of money. So that, that's always uh, a great story to bring up the macho man, Randy Savage. And we were talking to Paul Blackburn yesterday about this. And and then we start thinking about it, like all the guys who grew up in the Bay Area who actually played for the A's and throwing the Giants too. But thinking about a smaller community where you grew up and you, I mean, for God's sake, you're... For the Rays, for you, the Devil Rays, you grew up a little kid, the Devil Rays.
3: Yeah, and, you know, 1998, when the Devil Rays became an expansion team, my grandma took my sister and I out to the first ever Rays Fan Fest where I got to run the bases. You know, I grew up rooting for the Devil Rays, and that was my team. You know, I I grew up 20 minutes from there, and now to be able to say that I play Major League Baseball in my hometown for the team I grew up rooting for just – super special what an honor and a blessing um you know a few weeks ago when it was sunday and kids got to run the bases yeah and my sister and my family were out there and i said i awesome. told my sister hey let's go run the bases like yeah. we did when we were i was four and she was nine and we were out there running the bases with the kids but again i i just there's this sense of uh joy that i feel and that's you know you you touched on it in the beginning of the segment of you know, just being happy all the time and bringing good energy. It's like, how can I not? You know, the the where I'm at in my life, it's just I want to always, you know, I've been so blessed, I want to bless others. And through that, it's just giving good energy, loving and respecting, and letting the rest play out, you know. I, I know we're here to play baseball, and that's uh, something that, you know, when I go out there, play 100%. Respect the game, respect my opponents, but in between, have fun.
2: And speaking of your ball club, once again, you have a very good team. You guys are predicted to, you know, win your division by a lot of people and a chance, you know, playoffs and and go to the World Series again. Not the start exactly you guys wanted, still pretty good, but uh, how's it going so far for the Rays?
3: It's going great. We've got, for the most part, the same group of guys back from last year, obviously coming Off of a season of winning 100 games, there's a lot of expectations not only from our fan base and front office, but from ourselves. And if there's a group of guys who can handle that pressure, it's these guys in the Tampa Bay Rays clubhouse. I can't speak highly enough about character. Just the you know everyone sees the talent and how good how good we are. But what it boils down to is you know everyone has kind of set their ego aside and playing together and. It shows on a, on a nightly basis how guys pick each other up it, over a course of 162. It's it, it's really good when you have a, a group of guys who enjoy being around each other and pick each other up. How much does buy-in,
2: and I mean buy-in shifts for five-man outfielders getting pinch-hit for, being in situations you know that you may not like, but it's all about the data everything's in the data the decisions are in the data how much is buy-in to kevin cash in the front office key for you players
3: yes that's a great question 100 percent. you know if we're in 20 let's just say we're in 2009 and this is something that was introduced for the first time there'd be a lot of speculation there'd be a lot of uh, questions or concerns but if you look at what the Rays front office has been able to do over the last five years it shows that it works and i always tell people when the rest of the league is playing checkers, the Rays are playing chess. And uh, it, it shows the guys they acquire through trades. It shows how, how well they're man- they're able to manage, uh, you know, a guy's talent and be able to – you look at our farm system and you see how they're able to get guys better and better each year. You have to buy in because it, it's worked. It's proven to work. So who, who am I to disagree with what they've got going on after they've shown – the data they've they've shown that it works and that's a fact.
2: Is there ever a point now, now that you've lived through yeah. all this, where you just go, "What in the
3: hell are we doing?" Do you ever find yourself? Never, never. I've not once. <laughs> um, I know it's crazy, but not once have you know. And I have, Chris. Like I've been pinch 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 hit for um, in weird situations that other people have asked me, like what. What is that? Or, like, my mind is just, like, I trust Kevin Cash. And I've let them know this when they left me off the playoff roster last year. Like, listen, I'm not trying to be the nicest guy in the room, but I believe in you guys so much that if it means leaving me off the playoff roster in a bigger, you know, picture to win the World Series, like, let's freaking go. Like, I 100% trust you. And that goes back to just the who they are as people but the success they've shown, right? Like, you don't buy into something if there's nothing to show for, but there's everything to show for. Going to the playoffs the last three years in a row, going to the World Series. Like, I know we haven't won a World Series, but if you, if you take yourself out from, like, just looking from the outside in, like, they're doing something that other teams aren't, I don't know what it is, but, yeah, that's something I would buy into for sure, and that's where I'm at.
2: You know, they always say money doesn't grow on trees, and it makes me think do big, tall, right-handed guys that throw over 100 or 100, (laughs) do they grow on trees in your guy's farm system? Where do you get all these guys, and you just keep replenishing them?
3: You know, yes, to your point, we have a lot of guys with – tremendous talent god-given talent with guys throwing 100 but if you look at our our pitching staff and the guys that we've acquired you will find that most guys came through other organizations who weren't doing well right like okay a lot of guys have recreated themselves here they have taken a fallen career or a career that's on the back end and have rejuvenated it or relit that fire and i'm not going to give all the secrets but the best way i can explain it to you is that the last thing the rays care about the the i should say this the only thing the rays care about is winning and everything that has nothing to do with winning just it doesn't matter which uh, to my point allows you to be yourself allows you to be confident in knowing like hey you were do you have something that we want? Just just be that every single day. Be that. And so, um, again, it's just it's a testament to the the leadership. It starts at the top, the culture they've created. And you have guys get traded over here. There's no reason that most of them have success or, you know, are better than what they were in the past.
2: That's unbelievable. <laughs> and I can't imagine you anywhere else. I, I really <laughs> hope you in your career because how much – Uh, You love the area. I mean, obviously, it's home for you and your family. uh, But how much you believe in the organization. Like, I can't imagine. Like, I'll just throw a team out there. You now go to New York. They make you shave. They make (laughs) you act. Like, you get to be you here. I can't imagine you somewhere else.
3: Yeah, that's, you know, and different strokes for different folks. It doesn't mean it's right or wrong. But for me, I can only speak about the Tampa Bay Rays and what makes it great from my point of view. And – a part of just showing up and being yourself and, you know, I dance and do funny things, they could care less about that because they know Brett Phillips is going to go out there and play 110% for him. He's going to respect the game, and that's all that matters because they know I'm trying to win, right? Like everything else with shaving your face and stuff that has nothing to do with winning, but more so just the culture, like it, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm just saying the Tampa Bay Rays don't care about that and for me personally i find confidence in knowing every day i show up no one is judging me for nothing but just how how my performance and rightfully so right you're a major, you're major league baseball player you have to perform it's a billion dollar billion dollar industry there's a n- enough pressure as it is though to perform every single night so why are you going to add things like micromanaging or putting you know stuff on, on people who You know, it doesn't necessarily fit their, I don't know. It's, uh, again, I'm just super thankful to be a part of an organization that could care less about anything but just winning.
2: Okay, so I can't watch every single Rays game, (laughs) but I want to throw this out here. You made a play against us coming off the mound. (laughs) Is that the greatest play of your career? (laughs) You literally, StatCast has you as far as you had to go from the, (laughs) folks, remember he was pitching, you ran all the way from the mound, slid in, and the best part was you came up and then gave the outs to everybody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh man, that was the best. That was so fun, man. Again, best play you ever made. Uh, one of them. It's got right? to be. It Has to be. And I, I get questions like, "Yo, you guys are losing nine to by nine runs. Like, why? Why do you like? And no one would do try and catch that ball. It's like." i can't downshift into third gear just because we're losing by nine runs right like brett phillips is brett phillips he's in sixth gear all the time i'm trying to win so for me to come off the mound and make that play like that's just instinct that's just who i am but i will say first of all i was able to pick up very like more speed than i ever had before because i don't normally have like a decline slope so the the mound gave me an advantage and then with the slide, it reminded me of back in the day when I was a kid, slipping, sliding down the, you know, down the slipping and slide, and then popping up because you got to have your head on a swivel. Someone's coming down the slipping slide right behind you, right? So if you see it, I pop up, give the outs like I'm in the outfield, yeah. tip my cap, crowd was loving it.
2: And, ladies and gentlemen, that is the first Brett Phillips show brought to you by Hidden Valley Ranch, Lamborghini, and Pebble Beach, California. I love it. I love so it. We can do this every month.
3: Oh, man. Hit me up. <laughs> I mean, how
2: good is that? If
3: you get a Lamborghini sponsorship <laughs> from this, yeah, I'll call in from Tampa. We'll talk once a month. <laughs> get you a Lamborghini and all the ranch you all can All the eat. ranch in that Lamborghini. You got Hey, thank you so pleasure, much. Man. Awesome, man. Yeah. And
2: it's great to finally get to meet you face-to-face uh, yes. and have you here because... Uh, To me, what's the expression we say? Sounds like a what? Sounds like an A already. You sound like an A already. <laughs> you could easily, you could just get into a time machine, come here and fit right in. I'm
3: um, hey, I'm looking forward to the next time we talk.
2: You wouldn't like the pricing here <laughs> versus what you got there in Florida, <laughs> but if we could get past that, but, you'd fit in perfectly I'm here. sure I could. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Thank you. All right. they. What do we got coming up next? We're going to be talking to Brody, Brody Brazil coming up here at 430 right here on A's Cast Live.
1: The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fosse line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into local Bay Area charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar dot com
0: A's cast live continues from Ricky Henderson Field here's Chris Townsend
2: you know sometimes when you watch television people make really good points and there are some very good points that are made on A's pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports California. Oh, my gosh. And the point was made last night that, you know, you got really good guests on a show like this, A's Cast Live. <laughs> you have just some superior guys. Brett Phillips was just on. That's like a comedy act. You got David Forrest, the general manager, coming up, or we'll have someone like a, an A's Hall of Famer like Dave Stewart. But then you got other guests where eh, you got to you know, kind of kind of <laughs> fill in the blanks and
5: kill some time here's brody brazil from nbc sports hi i'm doing great Tony i appreciate the opportunity i'm i'm just happy to be here we're doing our shows from here tonight i just did a whole 30 minute thing with Cote, so i'm i'm living the dream today especially now here with you
2: well it was you who actually said
5: that last night about I know. yourself no, self-deprecation so, i'm a big fan of self-deprecation so if anybody I'm, thought i was being cruel i mean I like if, just... if you're tuning in today yeah, you want to hear Brett Phillips, great baseball guy. You want to hear what your GM's saying. You don't want to hear what the pregame, postgame host is saying. Dave Stewart's assistant. You don't care what Stu's you know number right number two right hand guy's doing. You don't care. But and, here, here I am. So what are you what are you going to fill this segment with? What you're going to try and get me to give you some content? And you and I, Cody are better off without me here, honestly. But and on that note, we'll see you all tomorrow right here on <laughs> A's Cast Live. No,
2: uh, it's great to see you.
5: <laughs> likewise, the likewise. new set looks good. Thanks. Yeah, we've had it for a while. Obviously, we couldn't use it for <laughs> a, a baseball season. But, yeah. uh, no, we're um, we're happy to be there. I mean, as much as I like our studio, I love being out here at the Coliseum. You know, it's just it's the, the feel, the conversations you can have, showing your face a little bit, feeling a game instead of just watching it on TV. So I, I encourage fans to do the same.
2: That's where, for guys like us – you know, I mean, God bless the players here, but if we do ever get this at a Howard Terminal, oh most of these gosh. guys obviously won't be here. But for guys like us, to what we, you know, when I've traveled around with the A's or even with the Raiders and you go to these new stadiums and new ballparks, they've got TV studios and radio yep. studios. Yep. Like
5: the future would, you you would be a big per- at every game. A big perch, me and Stu up there yeah. and Shooty and Bip, and we'd be looking down on the field. I agree. Um, can I ask you a question, actually? I was going to ask you about that guy that shows up on the web hits. He's fantastic. Yeah, town. Some, some Uncle Townie guy. Yeah. Um, you know, we could sit here and talk about this this 2022A season, right? And yeah. they could go on and win a World Series this year. I'm, I'm just saying that would be one heck of a story. It's a possibility. Right? What a storybook that would be. <laughs> Even if that happened, the most shocking thing to all of us happened. You mentioned Howard Terminal. That pales in comparison to this team and this franchise solidifying their future, solidifying their new home, like this baseball season. What I'm saying is this is the most important Oakland A season of all their 55-plus years of being here, but it has nothing to actually even do with this baseball team. And I say that as a person who covers every game. You grew up down the street. Well, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I care about every game. Like, I want this losing skid to end tonight. I, I care about... Um, hitting, getting more than two hits in a game. I care about cutting the errors down. I care about all that. But it's all kind of put into perspective when you think about this team being here and solidifying the new ballpark or not. Like, that is the number one focus, honestly, for me right now, as weird as it sounds. We, we do the shows. I watch the games, keep score, all that stuff. But in the back of my mind, like, that's, that's the burning thought.
2: I think it's one of the reasons why the fan base loves you is because there's been a lot of people – that have come to Comcast, it's now called NBC, there's been a lot of news people, there's been all these different shows, and trying to build up people who are not from here, and like what I say, you grew up not too far from here, you grew up coming to the stadium, you grew up, you were... You were a kid when the Sharks came to town. So the two teams that you really cover, (laughs) you know, you you grew up with this. So you're just not some guy that came in to do a TV job and you're pretending
5: to care. You really do care. Well, you're right about that. I mean, I've never had to fake the authenticity. You know, when when good stuff happens for this team, I'm thrilled. When there's a 97-win season, there's platinum gloves and gold gloves and getting to the playoffs and getting past Chicago a couple years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. But obviously, I, I ride the highs, I ride the lows too. You know, I feel it. So I don't, I, I try and maintain an even keel, you know, in my presentation, but I, I feel all the same things. And hopefully, I can, you know, relate to the fan experience because that's what matters most, right? We, we get a little bit jaded working in this business, I think, sometimes. We see it as a business and we forget the fan perspective.
2: I'll tell you, I know you mentioned it last night. We've talked about it, we've all talked about it. It's very, very scary. But we're glad it's finally here. Like everything that Dave Cavill has gone through, everything that this team has gone through, there's been so many votes, right. so many committees, so right. many councils. Right. count. I mean, there's right. counties, there's cities. County, there's I, mayors, I've listened there. to more
5: city council and board of supervisors meetings like in my in the last 12, 18 months than in the prior 40 years. I mean, I mean think
2: about just, how many times Cavill's gone up to Sacramento. He's even gone to D.C. I know. But you know what? We finally get something. We yeah. fin- Here we go. June thirtieth. Yeah. We talked about it last night. This is the vote that it's yay or nay because if if you get this vote, it's going to happen. If you don't, well,
5: it's so it's done. This one, I'll put it this way: if it's no, you're stopped dead in your tracks, right? The project literally comes to a halt. But the recommendation for the BCDC to move forward with this and, and vote yes on it, and that was kind of the expectation. But now to see that that is their preliminary recommendation, you kind of get a good sense that. I think it's a thirty voter panel that, yeah. that they will vote in favor of that since that's what's been recommended to them and, and even more facts have been presented about Howard Terminal the site, seaport operations. I mean there's there's so much more information now that gosh, and it's even hard for me to digest. There's so much of it. It comes from so many different places. So I I, I wanna kinda like I said before, I've dedicated my time to this the stadium more than anything else, is just to try and educate people. There's so many people out there, it's not their fault. They've heard from a somebody that heard from somebody else. It, they're not getting the facts completely straight about why this benefits Oakland, uh, how this could work, how this could seamlessly integrate with everything else that's already going on there. So, uh, But you're right, this next vote, June 30th, huge by the B.C.D.C. And then obviously we have to get into binding votes with the city of Oakland, county of Alameda. Those will come too. But again, the timeline is all this season, this baseball season, and really this calendar year, should dictate all of these things happening.
2: You know, the one key thing is binding. You've yeah. heard a lot about people agreeing, people voting. Yeah. Nothing's been binding. That's yeah. what we're we're finally getting into well, the, the next one of
5: Yeah, the next one will be right to 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 remove port priority use from the land. I mean, that that's an official thing. They're basically opening the door to saying you can do this ballpark, three thousand housing units. Uh, Retail, commercial, all that stuff. They're they're basically saying so now. If you can orchestrate this and pay for it and all that stuff, you can do this. You can use the land for this.
2: And it's and it's been tough. And I understand, you know, with how fans they got a lot of fatigue. And as you mentioned, this team right here, I know I kind of made the joke, whether it was right or wrong. I said, hey, whether Seth
5: Brown hits with
2: runners in scoring position,
5: <laughs> it has no, it does not matter at all for the new ballpark. I. I have a son who's going to turn five in a little bit, and I I want him as a teenager to go to A's games or at least have the option to if he wants yeah. to. Um, no offense. I, I hope it's not in the same ballpark his daddy grew up in. Uh, he's been here before, and I'll you know, give him a couple more cracks at that too. But you know, I, I think it's, it's the least our generation of fans could do is to, to be aware about what's going on, to inform others. And to understand it and, and to do everything, at least in my case, with a platform to help people, you know, feel favorably about it because they should. They honestly should.
2: I feel bad when I'm talking about it at night, you know, because here, you know, I, it's like I got a bunch of different shows and how, how you handle the shows. The one at night is kind of the real real. Right. And it's hard to tell people, listen, I get what you're talking about with the players of today, but if you just do the ages what we're talking about, best case scenario, where we always know there can be some hiccups, like we saw with Petco Park. It got delayed by two years. Yeah. So right now we're kind of hoping 2028. 20, right. I think
5: I. I would even say seven. Okay. But, yeah, yeah. but if it got.
2: If it, but if it got pushed back, <laughs> no, I, I know, mean, I kind I of the only guys. I know Nick Allen just got sent down but it would be Pache I know
5: who you're saying who, who would be on the team yeah I know it'd be know. Allen. right right solderstrom I just asked guys. I just asked Mark Kotze, by the way I was like I know you just took this thing over but <laughs> could you picture yourself managing an Ace game at our terminal you know that's yeah. that's a long way off for him but, I'm hoping
2: uh, I'm not retired I, and I used to be the one why I used to be one of the young guys around here Tony
5: if I get to do pre and post game live for the last a's game ever here at the coliseum i mean i i cried about fossey a couple weeks ago right we we showed his tribute i couldn't help myself but if you i cried for a few minutes but if you want to see me cry for an entire show (laughs) last game of 2026 i'm gonna have a hard time holding it together here but but happy tears right um you know to move on to something at that point right you know it's gonna go well you know it's going to what you want i would be pretty thrilled about that.
2: Yeah, I remember being there I, it's back when I worked at KBR for the last game at Candlestick Park, which right. I had right. zero emotional. I just thought it was cool to be there, and out locks Willie Mays, and they're right. taking home plate right. in a helicopter. They helicoptered
5: and, it out, that's right. And you're like, yeah, this is pretty cool. But so to imagine what this is. Right, would be like... But think about, you're, you were talking about the journey, right? And how it's been 20-plus years of Cisco Field, of San Jose, right? Fremont, so Fremont to yeah. San Jose, then the Peralta side, all these things. So I get it. Like, there is some building of tension and frustration among the fan base. But all that being said, and then there is some healing to do, right? Like, if we could get some binding votes and the shovels eventually in the ground, yeah, there's some healing for the team and the, fan, the fans to do with each other. But and to go across the other side of the bay for just a second... I mean, yeah, they thought they literally played their last game. And they it were going to
2: be in St. Petersburg. 93, right? At the drop, yeah.
5: They literally thought, that's it. See you guys never again. I mean, the A's are not at that point, but it just goes to show you how deep and dirty this process can get before it ultimately turns around. I know you interact with, with Giants fans still. They're your friends or your family, whatever. Eh. They forget about that stuff. Eh. Oh, you're, well, you really cut them off? You gotta show me how to do
2: that. My my wife was like, oh, here's a picture of me with Vita Blue, and he was a giant. I no, said he's always gonna Burn be an
5: A. <laughs> but hey, you know, when I was, you know what I'm Sa- saying though? They they forget about all the hard times. Well, when
2: I was at San Jose State, when yeah. I got here, yeah. right yeah. in the early ni- 1991, yeah. they were having votes in San Jose to have the Giants go right, there. Right, Sharks didn't even exist
5: right. when I got there. Right. It's just it'll a lot of this stuff these years, right? they're hard to go through now yeah but you will i i really think people will remember them a lot differently in reverse you won't forget like oh yeah that was a struggle but all the stuff you're going through now and hoping for the next approval and the next vote and looking at kind of the um antagonists of this story you know who are, who are trying to make it more difficult um you that stuff will fade I, I i know i'm saying that hopefully trying to be the wise you know the wise optimists here but um I, I truly believe that's how it'll be in, in 20 years if this thing is all said and done.
2: Okay, I don't want to do this to you. Right. We're friends, all right? All right.
5: I didn't want to do this, but sometimes oh boy.
2: Cody takes over. Okay. And okay. I wanted to keep this on the up and up and just about A's. But arm wrestling?
4: Cody wanted to do this. All Go right. ahead, Cody. All right, two-part question here. Okay. Uh, first one. Who's going to be the Sharks GM going into the 2022? Oh. I told you I didn't season. want to do this. That's a great question. And second, please tell all of our listeners who don't care why my hometown Pittsburgh Penguins will not win the Stanley Cup this year. <laughs>
5: <laughs> all right, uh, should I do my Dan Rusinowski impression? Well, Cody, scar, scar. Uh, I think that. I, and Ruzi, if you ever hear this clip, you oh, know no, I'm sending it to him. Imitation since we're done. is the highest form of flattery, Ruzzi. You <laughs> know that. This is
4: going to him right after the show's over.
5: Because um, I, I won't do Drew because I, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I think with the Sharks GM, the search is so wide open right now. And Jonathan Becker, the team president, has talked about this a little bit. It's it's impossible. And I've heard a name already, like Kevin Weeks, no GM experience, former goalie in the league. Why would you hire a goalie to be your next GM? Tom, did, you they, know that they
2: just sit there all game. Get long. Get a skater what if you're going to get a form, if you're
5: going to get a former player. You get a skater, not a goalie. They're weird. Okay, a, d- a dumb guy who just blocks pucks with his face. Here's here's the only two things I feel. Confident and saying to you that actually matter that actually come with some weight the Sharks are either going to install a new GM that comes with all their own people New scouts, maybe new head coach. I mean if I'm Bob Bugner right now as the head coach I don't know honestly where I stand until that process is figured out. How could anybody know somebody brings in all their structure top to bottom or they do install somebody like a Kevin Weeks and just that that type of person who's maybe not done this before but they can slot him in around other people the Joe Wills and all the scouting department keep the rest of their core that has an idea of the direction has an idea of their players and then basically it's just it's just a substitution instead of like a whole top to bottom overhaul and the other thing is I know I'm going too long on this but that new GM's going to have several important decisions to make not just the current long-term contracts but all the young players the Eklunds of the world that, you know, are you going to bring them in next year? Are you going to start their clock? What are you going to do? Um, Bordalo, same thing. So mm-hmm. it's a difficult task. What was his next one? Why won't the Penguins? Well, I got to
4: – what about Ned Coletti?
5: I, I mean, he there is, you go, I mean, right? He has, he already is, in the family,
4: right? Yeah, and he has experience m- already a in a different, sports, different sport. A different sport.
5: And, again, so, uh, you know, I don't. again, I don't want to speak to anything specifically because I, I really don't know, but probably part of the interview process, Right. So, um,
4: Ned Colletti? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, a scout. he's been a scout for them. The yeah. yeah,
2: I know that Ned Coletti, who was a GM in baseball and the assistant GM. Is he bringing Barry Bonds and Jeff Kent with him?
5: Uh, Who knows? You get the Barry Bonds of hockey. You know, it's like you don't <laughs> the, the, pitch the, around the, the guy. What's the? what's Is Brian Sabian going to be his <laughs> assistant GM? <laughs> Guys, uh, guys, this is too much Giants talk here. Yeah,
2: let's, it's, let's get away from
4: this quick. The, the second part Dick was, Tedrow coming with him too or what? second part was why will my home top oh. not win the Stanley Cup? Oh,
5: you know why? Game one tonight. The East is too tough. The East is just this loaded out there. You know why? Because Joe Thornton needs to win it with the Panthers. That's, what, that's where my heart is, and my brain thinks that the Colorado Avalanche, this is their year. 120-plus points in the regular season. And they have honestly, they have never even got to a conference final. Uh, so I think this is their year to push through and at least get to the final. So
2: now, something that we just talked about with the A's is kind of something that's coming to a head with the Sharks. You know, I, I watched being someone who lives in San Jose, I'm a taxpayer there, yeah, Santa Clara County, and I watched the San Jose Arena be built and been going there my entire adult life. Sharks want a new building too.
5: Uh, how's that gonna work i don't out? know that they want a new building they shark have, takes hold. no 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 they so they have put a ton of money in. they just put a new ice ice system in there they're gonna put a brand new jumbotron in there i i've been told it's not a jumbotron that's a sony product <laughs> putting in a new big screen inside there they are putting a ton what of money. names for these i didn't know yeah about. well foss always used to call it the diamond vision even yeah. though it hadn't <laughs> been diamond vision in like 30 years it's very Fossy though yeah he could say it yeah. um no, the Sharks want to stay at SAP Center. Their concern right now is that all these projects downtown are going to essentially suffocate the building, make it hard to get into and out of the north parking lot, for example, where I have been parking since <laughs> you drive a car. That's going to go away in large part over the next handful of years. So where is everybody coming? going to come and park? The, the, uh, from what I understand, these project plans have the streets narrowed from four lanes, like Santa Clara, four lanes, to two lanes, one each way. How is this gonna work? What's the experience gonna be like? So I I know what you've heard, but the, I think the real issue for the Sharks is that they have invested in this. They wanna stay there. Now, they're also probably not opposed to if they have to get out and save their franchise, they'll do that. But I think it's it's their desire to stay in that building. They're just worried about their neighbors and you're right. The Ace and Sharks, my two teams, I just made a YouTube video about this, by the way. They're dealing with One is trying to do a project and having to jump through every hoop right, to get it right at Howard Terminal. The Sharks are trying to say, hey, we need you guys to do this the right way so you save us. Two different sides of the spectrum, but critical, critical problems. The one thing that we have learned, and you can go up
3: and
2: down the state, right? You can go with the Kings. You can go with Niners, Warriors, Giants. You can go down to Rams. You can go down to Chargers in San Diego. It is so hard. Earthquakes, and now looking at what the Clippers are trying to do. Anywhere you go in California, northern or southern California, the bottom line, any type of project, it's hard. Oh, yeah. it's just really, really hard. Well, it's
5: hard. Okay, so it's hard in two ways. Hard to get everything approved and passed, and especially if you want to do anything by the water, right? That's that's even harder. But let me ask you something. Isn't getting it right also really hard too? Like. I've been saying this a lot lately. The easy thing to do and the right thing to do are rarely the same thing. You know what the easy thing to do is? Just build a new stadium in the parking lot where I park today, like right outside here. But that's not the right – that does not work for this area, for this franchise. It doesn't appeal to the casual fan. It just doesn't work. It's possible. Yeah, anything's possible. We can go build a new A's ballpark in Tracy. We'll just build it on the other side of the Altima. Whatever. There's tons of land out there, it, but it doesn't work. So I think to your point, yes, it's difficult, but also getting it right. And to that extent, like Levi Stadium, is that is that a world class venue? I mean, itself, the building, the structure, yeah, it looks beautiful. But placement of it, like, that really hitting for for fans around here? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. Is it is it a buzz? And that's why for the A's, do you want to build a Levi Stadium for yourself? It's just there. It's next to Great America. Or do you want to build a Howard terminal where it's like, okay, we compete with the top level MLB products? Back to your WebEx guy. <laughs> That's just a good host always brings it back to himself.
2: <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Right, Cody. <laughs> isn't that what you always instructed?
4: Yeah. Well, it's oh, a good producer always brings it back to himself. But now it's a good host. <laughs> He's deflecting. that's yeah, yeah. good. That's good.
5: Well, hey, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Yeah, I'll do it anytime. And uh, keep the keep up the good TV work. Like you really, like when you you're your hit yesterday, you didn't. Can I say half assed You did. Well, I already did. But yeah, you didn't. Like you put some research into that. Stu and I are like, look at this guy. He's out hustling us. I don't even remember. What did I do? You're talking about uh, Dalton Jeffries' pitching matchup, I think. Oh,
2: in college. Yeah. Oh, don't worry, it was half ass No, it, it uh, was. It was. You
5: knew how to sell it, buddy. So.
2: Yeah, I, 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 I'm not putting the whole world into these things. I'm just being honest. No, with it right. looks. Like I just want it to look good. Looks like it. Because so. I, you know, with you and Stu, no. I know I got to bring my A game every day. <laughs> to the millions watching, I got to bring my. <laughs> My A
5: game every day. More people see us on Twitter, so. (laughs) All right, buddy. We'll be well, and we'll uh, hopefully see you out here more often. Yep. Have Cody show you the Lululemon pants, by the way. That's a whole separate Uh, conversation. I'm wearing Fabletics today. Oh, okay. Hey, you know what I
2: brought up the other night? We were bringing back. Members only jackets. Oh, my grandpa
5: used to wear those. Huh?
2: <laughs> members yeah. only jackets. I think I'm
5: gonna ask for one next huh? Christmas. Yeah.
2: Got, got one of our callers sat in a cab with Norm Charlton after the World Series in '90. Norm was still rocking the members only. I'm like, we need to bring hey, that back.
5: Hundred bucks. Foss had like six members only jackets back in the day. Hundred bucks. He was. He was. He endorsed them. <laughs> 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 On that note. Be well. Great to be with you.
2: The great Eno Saris is going to join us next from The Athletic right here on A's Cast Live.
1: The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last die Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last die Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fosse line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into local Bay Area charities. Go to lastdiebar.com That's Last Dive Bar.
0: Streaming from the East Bay, AceCast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
2: I love to learn. I now wish I could go back to college again because I would actually put in the effort that I didn't do back when I was in college. And when I want to learn, I go to The Athletic, and there's a lot of great articles, but Eno Serres. You got to dig in. It's like you you got, when you're going to dig into an Eno article, you got to bring your lunch pail. You got to be ready to go because this thing, it's going to be well written. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a ton of information. There's times, you know, where I got to step back and think about it for a second, then dive back in. Then when we print it out, it's like 15 pages. I got everything (laughs) highlighted, and we bring it to the show, and it's like, I mean, it's it, it it's a ribeye with a baked potato. It's, it's a lot you get into.
0: All right. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. It is.
2: <laughs> it is. And and we keep talking about you from the standpoint of the last time we had you here on the field. Or maybe was it on the field the last time we had it? Uh, it was on the phone. It was on the phone, but we were talking about the humidor, right? That's right. And my friends, they do not want to believe that there can be humidity without heat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, I just did this interview, here's the article, go look at the definition. Like the places that have the most humidity are Oakland, San Francisco, and San Diego. It's not Miami and Tampa, and, we- and they don't wanna buy that.
0: Well, I mean, it was pretty complicated, but the, the idea is that as it gets hotter, you can have more raw water in the air. So they're right too. I mean, it's right to think that those places are super humid. Yeah, they are. But when it comes to like, a ball that was stored at, you know, relatively normal temperatures, the relative humidity matters more. And that's you. when you're near the water, relative humidity is high.
2: And they just didn't want to buy that. And I, and I, can't, I sent them all the article and they went, oh, well, that's fascinating. Well, now
0: I'm embarrassed to say that, like, the way that this is turning out in the early season is not quite how I predicted. No, you predicted
2: record home runs, my friend. That's right.
0: That's <laughs> right. And the, I think the problem is w- there's still a lot left to, to be seen because – Early in the season, it's actually drier, and later in the season, it is wetter. I mean, that is the, how the the the, su- the summer goes, right? So right now, what I found is that they were actually wa- adding water to balls here in co- in, in the Coliseum. So they're, they're they're the balls are getting more water from the humidifier from the humididor, and that's why they're not going as far. It's part of why it's not going as far in Oakland, but. Later in the summer, the process may be reversed, and we may see more than we normally see in August. So that's like when you're
2: in the pool and you have a ball, and you take the ball, the ball, and you duck, duck it underwater. <laughs> that's sort and sort It what's absorbs, right <laughs> yeah. and you try and throw it across the pool, and it doesn't go as far. Is that what you're saying?
0: That's sort of what's happening, right? Layman's now, yeah. terms, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But but in the later in the season, when the ball is normally a little bit more humid, uh, the humidifier will, will the humidor will pull the water out. And so we may see just a weirder, more imbalanced season where April is more down than usual and August is more up than usual. So, you know, some of this, I think baseball itself is figuring out on the fly, I mean. Well, because the humidor
2: works differently in different places, right? So what it does in dry climates like a, an Arizona or a Colorado a mile high up is going to be different from Miami or San Francisco.
0: Yeah, and then on top of that, we, I mean, I know how the balls were stored here, you know, just somewhere. F Y I, just somewhere. <laughs> they were somewhere here in a humidor next to some cigars. But but in, in before the humidor, we don't know uh, where they were stored in every other place. So for example, Atlanta, very humid. Do you think the humidor would take water out of those balls in in Atlanta and make them go further? Well, what if it was in the air, in the air conditioning room, and it was super dry? Then they might actually add water to that. So we don't know the original storing conditions before the humidor. So, you know, I'm doing my best and I may have been wrong. You're no but you're we'll you're see.
2: it's an ongoing investigation yeah, is sure. what it is because I'm going to listen to our friend Chris Bassett and Chris Bassett says each inning I don't even the balls all feel different. They they feel so if C Bass is saying what you give me in the first is not the same as the third well, nobody pitches into the sixth inning anyway, but if they did, you're now getting a one in the sixth inning. So it's like you're getting a different ball all the time mixed in with the humidor and a handmade baseball. Well, it's crazy.
0: It, it all starts because it's a handmade baseball. That's, that's, that's the chaos, right? But then Bassett is also right because if you take water out of a ball, you know, in sort of like it's flying, you know, you're flying the ball, you're driving the ball around. It's not. It's not in a humidor then. So it's, it, let's say the ball dries out while you're, fly, you're flying and driving it around, trying to get to these different stadiums. And then you put it in the humidor and it, it wets up again. It's not going to wet up in a uniform manner because it's a handmade thing with stitches on it and different parts. So it could these balls could be sort of rehydrating and they could be different from ball to ball. However, the one thing that I don't agree with Bassett on is that this has been going on forever, Like the the, there are more hit batsmen every year. That we've set records every year going back like ten years. So it's about the fact that we throw high in the zone more than ever, and I was able to show that on the athletic. We throw inside more than ever, and we also value stuff over command on the free agent market. You know, and I was able to show all those things. I think that Is what's been generally happening. So maybe Bassett is right about the feel of the balls, but also there's been stuff going on in baseball that's been leading to more hit by pitches. If you throw higher and uptight, there's like you can't get out of the way. You know, if you're pitching low in the zone, you're gonna, you know, you can still dance out of the way.
2: How do we compare? Like Willie Mays, I did an interview years ago with Willie Mays, and Willie Mays said every single time in, in a game that Don Drysdale was on the mound. Don Drysdale didn't just throw up and in. He completely knocked him down. His helmet off the whole thing. Guys got hit a lot back in the day. Like right. when my grandfather played without the helmet, I mean, he missed an all-star game because of it, right? Guys, yeah. They got hit. Con- are we hitting guys more now than what they did in the 40s, 50s, 60s? Or are we just hitting guys more now than the early 2000s and in the and the 1990s?
0: Uh. The answer is that uh, we're hitting them more than we did in the a- in, ever in the free agency era. So since nineteen seventy, the line I can show it to you right here just Look goes up. Look at this up.
2: research right here; it's amazing. And that's the
0: hit by pitches just from nineteen seventy-two to now. They just go up. So
2: we don't have sixties and fifties where we knew hit guys were there were crazy some, throwing. There people. were
0: some, yeah. So there were more of a hit by pitches back then. But what I wouldn't be able to tell you if we were pitching more inside or up in the zone because we didn't track that sort of thing until, like, 2000. So, like, the
2: football's made by a machine, basketball's made by a machine, tennis balls, golf balls, obviously. I mean, more golf balls are made than any other sporting equipment because uh. us golfers lose them constantly. <laughs> and then the hockey puck, is it's rubber that's frozen.
0: Yeah.
2: Why is every other sport use a ball that's made <laughs> by technology and we're still talking about a handmade ball in baseball?
0: Uh, It's the stitches, man. I think, I mean, I think you could develop the science to do it. It might be very expensive. And then you're making tons and tons of balls. So if you make the making of the ball more expensive, then, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's prohibitive. I don't know.
2: Can you talk about the, or just kind of generically talk about what you've been working on and what's going to be launching here, which I think will just be fascinating. And yet, really scary at the same time
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh it's coming soon i think probably thursday on the athletic uh but uh we've been working on a piece about swinging and i've been working on it for a year because i was fascinated with the art of not swinging because if you look at some of the players like juan soto or uh you know joey vado over the years they've made a name for themselves by not swinging they're not chasing balls but also just not swinging and i found this fascinating math thing which is that not swinging, just swinging less, is positively correlated with outcomes. So your OPS goes up if you swing less. Teams win more if they swing less. And so in the course of this reporting, where I was talking to people about how they developed their plate discipline, if it was their father at home, you remember Barry Bonds with the the balls and the colors on, that sort of, I got all these sort of stories. But as I was reporting that, I was realizing that this had implications for the sport, because if it's Better for the player not to swing. Ugh. Then the nerds will will tell their teams that it's better not to swing, <laughs> and then we might have another crisis on our hands.
2: We have a crisis because I'm gonna tell you this, and I and I and you know I'm a big MLB Now fan. Brian Kenny, we've seen you takes of the week. We've seen you <laughs> on MLB Network. You do a great job when you show up there. I, that's all I watch. I'm a baseball nerd. I admit it. I admit it. There was a show that it's Brian Kinney, Mike Lowell, and Joel Sherman of the New York Post. And Mike Lowell was earlier in the season, and Mike Lowell gives the – everybody's got to say, sorry, Brian, but we're going to talk batting average, <laughs> right? And they start talking about how horrific batting average is and how it's just – 2.30
0: going. right now this spring.
2: And Joel Sherman said the best thing. He goes, "BK, I've been on this show probably more than anybody. And he goes, I'm going to tell you, here's the bottom line. Baseball's gotten smarter – and worse at the same time i paused it like i do with reading your articles and i pause them on my couch and i go oh my god he's right i rewinded it i watched it like three times baseball as a sport to where like basketball realized shooting more threes than twos means you score more and win more and it's more exciting and it's more exciting. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> like, 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 like throwing throwing the ball more than ten yards down the field in football, the data shows I get more pass interference calls. Like there's all Scoring this stuff. Goes up. It, it 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 the field lengthens, so it makes it more for longer running plays. Scoring touchdowns go up. Touch. We're in a sport where our data, Joel Sherman hit the nail on the head. He should coin it, by the way. Yeah. Our game has gotten smarter and worse at the same time. And your article is going to prove that. I mean, You're going to tell me. It's another way
0: of, of doing it. Yeah, Jed Lowry said the same thing. I mean, right now, run suppression is where the analytics are. You can put... You, there's a, just a piece came out on Baseball Perspectives that said that the outfield shift has been even more effective than the infield shift. Outfield batting average has gone from 160 to 120 in the last five years, just because now they know exactly where to put you in the outfield. We already saw the death of the left-handed ground ball single. That doesn't exist anymore because they're shifting the overshift over there. And then now we're doing pitch design on the pitchers, and we're dri- we're trying to get them to do exactly these shapes that make it really hard on the, on the hitters. Strikeout rate is up. We've figured out how to even Math Velo. Now we're getting Velo is up to 94 is the average this year. 94 is the average. So, you know. Basically, run suppression is the name of the game, and then and then baseball deadened the ball no and threw God. a bunch stop, of humidors stop. in, and now we're now the league is hitting 230 with no homers and 23% strikeout rate. I want an article. It's not my fault. I, I'm a nerd, but it's not my fault. I, I, want, I want an
2: article that I only want to hear about stuff plus if the guy goes at least six innings a game. Oh. If he doesn't go six innings, stuff plus means nothing to me. Nothing.
0: I did find one time when I did the research that command numbers uh, predicted how far you could go into the game better than stuff.
2: By the way, David Forrest says, get him out of here. Let's go. It's time for the David Forrest Show. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, article breaks on Thursday?
0: That's right, yeah. We I, will
2: promote it, and let's have you on again soon to dissect it.
0: All right, thanks a lot.
2: The great Eno Serres from The Athletic. I got to tell you, it's worth the – get get the monthly. It's worth it. It's the best journalism going. There is uh, – uh, when you say Cody when it comes to covering baseball the athletic gives you the mo- most in-depth the best coverage that there is.
4: I agree and like I pointed one out to you earlier. I didn't know uh Chip Carey had twins that are calling games in the minor leagues now. Yeah. Identical twins. Yeah. That's just more in-depth piece uh in-depth reporting you're going to get that you're not going to get on ESPN or you know no no shots fired at Buster Olney and Tim Karch and our friends but uh, you're going to get more baseball news on The Athletic than you will anywhere else, besides, in, in, along with baseball perspectives. So you're
2: saying Harry Carey's grandsons are not going to have a hard time getting a job? Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> <laughs> they're double-A uh, Amarillo, Sod poodles. Uh, th- th- they'll have big league jobs by the time they're 25?
4: Uh, they might already be. T- well, they look young. Kind of got like
2: by the, what's, what's the guy named that? joe buck had has had a nice little career do you think yeah. that helped out yeah,
4: he's worked he's worked out he's now the voice of monday night football yeah and right. the in the world well not anymore not the world series anymore
2: well eno we're promoting the athletic get the monthly subscription to listen to 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 watch and to read eno as eno is fantastic it is time for the david ford show right here on A's cast live exclusively
6: where, where are the cameras i forgot to dress up i was all worried and i, and I see no cameras for
2: home games, we're still waiting for the approval from MLB. Can you help with that? You got a lot of pull.
6: That's not my department.
2: But if you made one phone call for us, it would help out. So we're good at the home studio. We're waiting for approval. So It's always something. So suit and
6: tie next time. Okay. How enough. are you? I'm okay. How are you doing?
2: Uh, we're doing well. It's been a while. Uh, the guy you got going tonight, Paul Blackburn. Yeah. We, we talk about it's so cool, a local guy doing well, and everything that he's been through. And now I know he changed his curveball grip and things that he's worked on. But just for you to watch him grow and how well he's pitched for you guys, what's that been like?
6: Well, we talk a lot about uh, the stories behind this team and the the way guys get here and how interesting it is to try and put together a 26-man roster of personalities. And uh, Paul's journey is pretty unique um, in terms of... Up and down the last five, six years, getting designated, outrighted, all this stuff. But like you said, he started here. I remember seeing him pitch in high school, you know, highest draft pick. We, we wanted him in the trade. And then uh, it just took this long for him to put everything together. So it's it's a lot of fun to see when he does put it together. What he's doing, frankly, is not a surprise to a lot of us, particularly the way he pitched last year. I think we saw in 2021, and I saw some of his quotes the other day about how getting designated and taken off the roster kind of lit a fire under him. And I had heard last year while he was in Vegas some of the things he was doing, some of the people he was talking to, just really trying to recreate his game. And based on how he pitched last year, I will say when when we brought him to Chicago to take that start uh, after Bass got hit, I, I had no problem throwing in that situation because I knew he was prepared based on how he pitched.
2: Now, I know a lot of the times the manager speaks to the player when the player is going to get sent down or DFA'd. Or, but you know what you like. Yeah. You, know what, you know what the data says. You know what you want the guy to go work on. Do you ever talk to a player on the way out and say, hey, listen, this didn't happen, but we think – this can happen for you if you go down. I mean, do you ever give your words of wisdom to him?
6: It's, it's an interesting question. Um, there, look, there are situations where it's clearly, you know, it's the manager, it's the coaching staff. They're, you know, they're talking to the guy. They're telling There are places where I, I jump in and, and talk to a guy and not as much about the on-field stuff. It's about, you know, what's behind the decision or what we're expecting or what we think he can do. I will say in that situation I just spoke of when Paul went to Chicago, I called him that night after he made that start to explain to him why he had to take a red eye, how important it was for the organization, and we actually, we didn't win the game that he pitched, but the fact that he went out there and gave us five or six innings, how much it meant going forward. So I will make a call or I'll talk to a player on the way in or the way out when there's something beyond just sort of on the field. Ultimately you know the the roster decisions we get together with mark and the staff we make those and then and then that he owns them the manager owns them and he, he makes those decisions because he's the one who has to put the team out there but yeah I mean there are a lot of instances where it makes sense for the front office to talk to players and give them some context some background
2: you know we've dubbed this the year of discovery sure because so much obviously is going to be about the vote in June and Howard Terminal and so much the talk but my job is to cover this team mine too yeah well (laughs) you you gotta build it I gotta talk about it um let's let's go with young players Nick Allen what'd you see I know he's going back down uh what'd you see how do you like it what do you see for the future
6: yeah well first let me say look our job is always to win games like that doesn't change for us regardless of who's here what the situation is what's going off the field our job is to win games at the same time It is important to learn things and to to, to know your personnel, to figure out not just the now, but later in the season, next season, beyond. So when you bring a player like Nick up, it is important that he gets an experience, that he gets time. You want to see him out there, get his first major league hit experience, all that. But we also have to sit back and look at what is he doing while he's here? How is he affected by the speed of the Major League game? How are his bats etc., etc. And I think he handled himself really well. I mean, we saw him make a couple errors, which you expect maybe the speed of the Major League game sneaks up on even the best defenders. Um, and we saw him get a couple hits, but we also saw, you know, Major League pitching was not easy for him. So in the long run, it's a great Great opportunity to sort of dip his toe in the water, know what it's like up here, be around the guys, and then hopefully there's a more permanent time for him to come back. He may still go up and down a couple times. It It's just the nature of this team and this year, um, but any experience he gets up here is going to benefit him.
2: The, uh, quick question on that. His time up here now because, I don't know, the COVID rules and all the kind of stuff, we really don't – no one gave us – no one has said, here, media, here is – and I work for the team and I still don't have – no one's given us an actual – did that count for his service time?
6: 100%. Any, No matter how you get here, you're getting service time. Okay. So if you come up for a doubleheader, if you come up because someone's on bereavement leave, if you come up because someone has COVID, if you're here, you're getting a day of service. So every he, he got service time. He got Major League pay. The only thing that didn't happen was it the, sending him back did not count as an option. So we have this new rule this year where you yeah. can only option a guy 5 times. Sending returning him and returning all those replacement guys did not count as an option for him.
2: Pache, he's 23 also, same as Nick Allen. Yep. We talked, I mean, dynamic. I mean, his athleticism is off the charts, size, speed and everything. He's struggled lately. There's no yep. question. Is there a point where you get worried and maybe you send him back down to Las Vegas to get some confidence back? How do you deal with that?
6: I think that's always a possibility. Look, any time a young player is here, you hope he sticks. I mean, we've always said the goal of bringing a guy or calling a guy up is that he's ready, he stays. And and – you know we've seen that in history you know whether it's Chapman look Olsen didn't stick Olsen went back and forth a but lot. Yeah, yeah but but go all the way back to the Tejadas and the Chavez is those guys like the goal was always to get them here and they stay um, but you also expect there's going to be some ups and downs and and we're seeing it a little with Christian right now um, you know the leagues figuring him out now they've got 20 games worth of video on him more so than even last year and um, it's just a matter of whether you think he can sort of stay above water. Obviously, we've got Ramon coming back on Sunday, and that poses a roster issue. We'll see We'll see if we're at 12 or 13 position players. All those things go into it, but, but we have seen him excel. We have seen him run down the ball in center field. We've seen him hit homers. Um, I mean, everybody still remembers the ball he hit out to right center in Toronto. Like, you can't get that out of your head. Like, hey, it's nice to know that's possible. But you also see some of the swings he takes on breaking balls, and he's got things to work on. So these are you know these are decisions we're talking about every day and we'll see where we land.
2: Ramon tracked me down at spring training for an interview. He was raring to get – and you could see it in his eyes, Yeah, right? I see
6: he's back on Twitter, too. He wants everybody to know he's around. He's tweeting pictures of himself. He's ready to go.
2: I mean, if there's anybody – you know, they say he plays with – we were talking about all the clichés of the NFL draft. Yeah. But like a cliché in baseball, he's got a football mentality. If there's ever a guy that's – I mean, the guy challenged the entire Astros team. It was awesome, right? I, re- I, I remember. Wasn't great for you. For us fans, it was awesome to watch. But um, – I got to think when he comes back, I mean, you talk about a bulldog running out here. You got to be
6: fired up for that. Yeah, I'm excited to get him back. He brings an energy to the team. He brings an intensity. Um, I know that Kotz is looking forward to, but he is. He's like... He's like a, a rodeo bull in the gates, just like, just <laughs> scratching to get out. So, you know, in a normal time, you got to hold Ramon off, make sure he doesn't crash into every wall in the ballpark. So I think there's going to be a little bit of that starting on Sunday, but uh, it's going to be great to have him back.
2: From a position player standpoint, you're starting now with getting, I mean, getting the guys back from COVID, uh, which is, you know, knock on wood, thank God it's happening. But you're starting to have a nice dilemma of, too many guys, not enough at bats and positions. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to talk about this coming out of spring training. Is that nice for you to have?
6: It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I look. You never complain about too many good players. Obviously, we've scuffled here the last week, and there's some adjustments guys need to make. But um, but ultimately, you know, we're back now. You know, when you're missing when you're missing Pinder and Lowry and your closer and all these guys on the COVID list, it doesn't feel like the team you sort of. Expected to have coming out of March, and now now we've got these guys back. As of today, with Lou and Drew Jackson being activated, we're done with the COVID list for now. Let's yeah. let's not mingle with the Giants, and let's keep everybody's COVID to themselves. Um, so you yeah you've got you've got the making sort of the lineup you imagined in March. Um, these guys just have to go out and, and perform now, and Cots will figure out where they go on any given night. Um, and we've got a you know we've got a day off. Thursday but then we've got a tough stretch coming up with whatever it is nine games in seven days because the double headers and not a lot of days off so guys need need days off and if we do go with 12 position players there'll be enough there'll be enough chances to get everybody in there
2: i saw today detroit and they end up getting rain out but if they would have played today detroit was doing 34 games in 35 days yeah
6: it's brutal i mean just you wouldn't think just losing a week of the season would cause sort of the havoc that it has but it shows you just how tight the the regular season is anyways i mean in a normal time we play 162 in like 183 days and now we've moved you know we've we've really condensed it and it's a tight schedule. I don't, I don't know that I can remember playing two doubleheaders in one week before.
2: Frankie Montas is always going to be interesting. Uh, I know there were, if you listen to the national guys, there were people calling you all the time. What has that been like for you with Frankie? And obviously, Ace fans want him here as long as mm-hmm. you can keep him here.
6: I'm I'm focused on him pitching here every five days. I'm not, not really worried about whatever else is out there. There was a report. First week of the season or yes. something. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't listen to that. And and he is right now. He's very much the anchor of our staff. I mean, you've got you've got a lot of inexperience around him. We're trying to keep guys healthy around him. Caps back now, so that's good but he is you know he's a guy we count on every fifth day and and that's an important role on this team whether it's other starters looking to him whether it's Cots knowing you're going to get 6 innings that night to give the bullpen a rest it's it's a pretty critical role right now so that's all we're focused on
2: why do you think your pitching starting and bullpen has been pretty good they've been really good
6: i look i think i think emo does a great job with these guys i think they're prepared i think we came out of spring training taking care of the guys and not pushing the issue too soon and I think Mark and Emo have done a fantastic job with the bullpen of of moving guys around in different roles, of matching up, of putting guys in a position to succeed and and frankly giving everybody an opportunity. I mean guys I don't think you thought Danny Jimenez was gonna be closing games, you know, as recently as Philadelphia. Like he gave everybody an opportunity to earn their spot and also guys know they're gonna have to bounce around. Sam Mole's pitched great in different roles. AJ Puck has done a great job in that multi inning role. So I think they've really given a lot of confidence to these guys it's been nice to see
2: AJ puck for me has been the guy that I've been saying on the postgame show because fans call in why isn't he pitching when the team's in? I go listen he might be the one player in many many years I don't care what his numbers are I don't care what the outing looks like I know you do but I do- all I care about is that he goes out and pitches and doesn't go on the IL, <laughs> right if he can do that 15 to 20 times straight that's going to make me feel a lot better for his future because, it, I mean, we talk about the best ability is availability. Sure. How much is that for you? Yes, you want to see the, we, you're, you draft him in the first round, you know he's got great stuff, but isn't the most important thing, kind of long term big thinking, and Ken Korak said I'm actually maturing, uh, is, is the fact that it's that he stays healthy.
6: Yeah, long term is absolutely the thing we're looking at with AJ, and I, and I get that there's an element out there that's like, hey, he's pitching great, move him back in the game, or stretch him out so he can start or whatever like he's having success at the big league level he's healthy and pitching great for us and and there will be opportunities for other roles it just sort of it always organically happens you don't have to force him into the ninth inning or force him to do something else he's been great his stuff is great Uh, and it is it's really nice to see him have success up here
2: we had Shelled Noisy on the program, and I'm like, you know, you've brought something back to me that I forgot that right-handed hitters can hit the ball the other way. <laughs> like, if they shift you, you can actually go the – and he, majority of his hits have gone the other way. Yeah. It's been – just how nice is it to see a guy go foul pole to foul pole and still be able to take one deep?
6: Yeah, I mean, that ball he hit out just left to center the other day was a great sign because he, he, he really can do that. And, and if you have – if you have kids and you want to watch someone hit, watch that inside-out swing, and watch him let the ball get deep. Not be afraid to hit with two strikes. All the things, sort of old-school stuff that we preach to young hitters. Sheldon's done a great job, um, but he can turn on the ball when he needs to, and it's, you know, it's it's fun to watch. I I, I wish I could sit here and tell you I knew he was going to do this. Um, But, you know, development is a funny thing. It's not a straight line. And and obviously when we claimed him back on waivers this spring, we felt like it was still in there and knew there'd be a role for him on this club. But he has really, really taken advantage of it.
2: Yeah, baseball's got more data on every player. You got everything, like, you can talk about. Well, I remember seeing him. Like, you mentioned Paul Blackburn. I saw him when he was – I mean, you've been (laughs) looking at these guys. How often do you just go, wow, I didn't see that one coming?
6: (laughs) Oh, it happens. Really? It absolutely happens. Yeah, I mean, look. Not in Sheldon's case, because we traded for him because he could hit. He got to Stockton and just set the world on fire right away and looked like he was going to be in the big leagues in a year in a full-time role. But you know it's in there. Like, there's a track record of hitting, so it doesn't surprise me there. But, yeah, absolutely, guys go out and do stuff uh, at this level or even AAA, and you're like, I had no idea I had it in them. It happens. It's just – it's not an easy game to predict. I mean, we, we spend all this time looking at data and scouting reports and whatever, and guys change, or guys mature, or they get stronger, or they learn something new. It's just, they're human beings. It's not easy to predict what they're gonna do.
2: Do you ever go like all Billy Martin, and just go, just put the names in the hat, and pick it out. I'm tired <laughs> of the data. This is not working. The data, the data said this, and today it didn't work. It just you know, it just just Cots has figured it out. Do you ever do that? Never, uh, never, not it. once. How dare you?
6: No, we, never. We there's a science here, Chris. We can't, we can't put leave all those names
2: <laughs> in a hat. All right, batting first is you know you never do that.
6: No, we do talk about the, how important the order of the one through nine is, or, or isn't, frankly. Yeah. Um, but there's got to be some there's got to be some rhyme or reason to it.
2: I know it's been tough for the fans, and you know, like you said, you got to build the team, I got to talk about the team, just at times, if things aren't going great, how how do you feel for the fans?
6: Look, I understand, They, you know, they expected to see some different names on the backs of the jerseys this year, I totally get that. Um, But this, you know, this is a group of guys who are big league players who are working their butts off, I mean, and and there's something to be said for, for supporting that. So I, I get that they're, you know, that they're not who they expected, but I appreciate every single one who comes out here. I don't know how many were here last night, but they were loud as hell. I could hear them from my box, and they, they support the team, and that's important. So I, I, I get it, um, and we've had a lot of success here. We've had a really good run, and these guys are gonna work as hard as they possibly can.
2: And I, and I want for you to tell them that there is an Oakland A's way to play baseball and it's been like that for a long time ever since you've been here and i know you strive for that at all levels and we see it where your teams no matter what who no matter what the name is on the back of the jersey the name on the front of the jersey means so much and these guys play their asses off no matter who it is talk about how you guys instill that throughout the organization and how i know it sounds corny but it's like the oakland a's way
6: well kotz has done a great job of articulating that and embodying it i mean from From the time he was a player here, I think he appreciated what it meant to be in Oakland. And he has said this a couple times this spring, and, you know, he said it in his opening meeting with the guys, like, you appreciate what you have. You don't worry about what you don't have here, and you appreciate – your teammates and the people who come out and support you and the the mentality that you're going to bust your ass, like you said. And he's done a great job of embodying that. And we've put together, I think, a group of guys who get it. And he reminds them every day. And in the dugout, if you see him pacing up and down, talking to guys, because nothing is more important to him than playing hard. And, and sort of respecting the game and giving it your all. And he he spent time in spring training talking to the minor league staff and, and making sure they understood how important that was to him. And I know they've they've imparted it to the minor league players. So it is it's something that like you said goes from top to bottom. And it it, it is something he is always aware of.
2: Let's just in on this with, with with Mark. I mean, obviously the relationship is so great. I mean, as a player, as a coach, Has it been so far working with the new manager? Now we've had over a month yeah. and. You've had a bazillion player (laughs) moves that you've had to do, which unfortunately you don't want to do, but, you know, it's life. How's the relationship been? It's
6: been great. I mean, he has been – he has been so prepared and so enthusiastic, and his staff has, too. I mean, we've got some new faces on this staff. Um, you know, I didn't know Brad at all before he got here, and he's been exactly what Cots needed. Chris Crone and Tommy Everidge taking over the hitting department. It's been really nice to see, and I've, I felt great about how we've been prepared every day and, and – you know, to work closely with Mark, we're, I think I said earlier in the year we're sort of learning each other's rhythms. He knows what time you can call me until I know what time I can wake him up in the morning, things like that. But it's been it's been a lot of fun, and uh, you know I think I think we know the challenges in front of us, and and frankly every night like what the challenges are. But he is he's as prepared as anyone I've been around.
2: Well, the next time that we do this, the team will be on the road. But the next time we're at home, we'll make sure cameras are on you, and then we got to get what shade with the lighting is perfect for you. We'll, we'll get it that. all set up. Cody,
6: Cody's going to have to remind me to dress up because I usually just come out here and nothing. So
2: We'll have the makeup crew. <laughs> we'll have everything ready for you.
6: You better get that approval from MLB so, that, <laughs> so we all don't get in trouble.
2: <laughs> hey, great stuff as always. We appreciate it. Okay, see you guys. That is your general manager of the Oakland Athletics as we're getting you ready for game two of the three-game set between the Athletics and the Rays. Once again, I have lost track of time. Where are we?
4: We have a few minutes left. Let's see. It's uh, 520, so we got like f- uh, three minutes. I do want you know what? Let me get to it because I do want to do a buying or selling with you. So give me this list from you. Let me get the music going, and we'll, we'll do it because uh, I think it's fascinating.
5: It's time for Buying or Selling. So, so. Right now with Chris Townsend on, on Ace Cast, Cast Live.
4: All right. So I don't know if you've been tracking uh, the NL Central or not, but uh, I have. I watch every team in Major League Baseball. How
2: are my Reds doing?
4: Well, that's uh, funny you mentioned the Reds. That's who I want to talk about, Eric, the Reds. Eric Davis walking through that door. I don't think Barry Larkin's coming back anytime no, soon. No, Pete Rose. Pete? Uh, Pete's still alive. Where's uh?
2: Pete could get out of bed and get three hits for you. Johnny Cueto
4: ain't coming back to pitch to the Reds. This isn't uh, 2010 anymore. Anyway, the Reds are uh, 3-19. and That's a pretty good start to the uh, year. A little for the, rough. A little, little rough. Little, it's the worst start in franchise history. Now, if you go back and look, the Reds have lost 100 games one time. Once in 1982. Was brought up on the Ice uh, Clubhouse show yesterday. They lost 101 games. The 2015 Reds lost 98. Well, the 3-19 start got me thinking about well, two different teams. The 2003 Detroit Tigers went 43 and 119. They also started the year 3-19 through their first 22 games, just like the Reds. The 1962 Mets went 40 and 120. That's the most losses all time. Your Mets. So they, but they went 5 and 17 through their first 20. That wasn't games. the
2: miracle Mets. That was
4: not. It was not 1969. Joey Votto is now on the IL for the Cincinnati. And Reds. no one knows why. Yeah, I, what I saw on Twitter, it said uh, non-designated injury. Whatever that means. Just tell me it's a lower body injury like hockey does. Or or just Joey Votto's tired of this. Yeah, uh, going take needs, some time. Yeah, off. he needs a few days off. Buying or selling, Cincinnati Reds will finish with the most losses in the modern era
2: and it's 119 120 120 I'm selling cuz they got a lot of they got a lot of guys hurt like cool. Donnie Barrels is hurt That's that's
4: right, one Votto now Votto um, now Votto now yeah. they have quite a few guys hurt How's that uh, Mike Musakis doing? Hey, you got his ring? Yeah. Uh I couldn't tell you anyone else is on that team cuz they everyone's pretty much gone. No, they have a, they
2: have like a they've got like six to I'd have to check it, but they've got X amount of guys on the IL.
4: I mean, they still have some guys. Luis Castillo is still there. They still have uh, uh, what's his name? Mall, the opening day starter. I can't remember his name. Tommy Mall. Forget his first name. He's there. Like I said, you got Castillo. Hunter Green got called up. Their top pitching prospect, who throws 102 miles an hour, well, but he's, he's not only, very. He's not faring very well.
2: He'll he'll literally pitch what? How many innings?
4: Uh, maybe five, five at the most.
2: Eno did not want to talk about stuff. Plus, for guys who go six innings, you see that?
4: Yeah, I didn't. he
2: wants no part of that.
4: Uh, there's so many guys that go six innings, like you said. I'm trying to figure out what Moss. We talking about
2: is. guy going tonight for the Giants? He strikes everybody out and he goes six innings every time. Does he though? I thought he went five a few times. Well, he's trying to set a record for X amount of innings, strikeouts, no dingers.
4: Uh, yes, he's having a great start to the year for the, Rodon. the for the Giants, although he's has an opt out up to the year. Uh, Tyler Mall is his name. Um, I, just, I just wanted to get the Reds one in before we – That
2: Can you give me one? I can't end on that. Okay,
4: well, we got to do it quickly then. Cause is we're... there
2: a positive? Is everything got to be negative around Okay, here, here we so go. My man Brett Phillips is in the cage right now.
4: Okay, Clayton Kershaw set the Dodgers strikeout record over the weekend. He passed Don Sutton. He now has 2,700 career strikeouts in Dodgers history. He currently has a 2.49 career ERA, 188 wins, what's his third all-time in Dodgers history, and he's won a World Series, three sides, a triple crown, and MVP, five ERA titles. Pretty much similar things to Sandy Koufax did. Buying or selling, Clayton Kershaw will finish as the greatest Dodgers pitcher of all time. Oh. He is right now. Wow. Well, who's better? You think he's better than Sandy Koufax? Sandy Koufax didn't pitch very long. It's true he didn't.
2: Now, if you're telling me Sandy Koufax for a brief period or a career, and remember career. there are times Sandy Koufax wasn't good.
4: Uh, that's also true. Clayton Kershaw's
2: been good the entire time. Yeah, this he, is not even a debate. Yeah, he's been how many games did did did, uh, did did the now? Don't get me wrong. Sandy Koufax in his time period is arguably the greatest pitcher of all time for that time that 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 window that he had. How many
4: how many games did Koufax win? Uh, like one like one sixty five, I think. Somewhere around there. No way. Well, Kershaw's at Kershaw's only at 180 something.
2: Yeah, but Kershaw's pit Kershaw. There's they can't be close in innings.
4: Oh, uh, let me see. Koufax wins. A great radio here. Koufax won 165 games in his career. He pitched in innings pitched 2,324 in the third innings. That's more than I would have guessed. Yeah, but 165 wins. Carson's already passed that. The other one out He only pitched 12 years. Yeah, well, I mean, he, that's a nice run. <laughs>
2: and it was one, two, three, four, five good ones. Yeah. You got to realize.
4: That five-year stretch Kofa- was incredible.
2: I mean, Koufax was young, but you're looking at ERAs. of. You remember, this is back then. 4.91, 4.48, 4.05, 3.91. Come on. You're really going to compare? To what? No, no offense. Oh, Sandy Koufax, what he's been on and off the baseball field. I suppose he's like the greatest guy ever. But compared to what Clayton Kershaw's done for an entire career,
4: uh, what's the difference between then and now? Guys aren't hitting now. I I, I, I get it, but how do you take away from what Clayton Kershaw has done?
2: Clayton Kershaw. Hey, well, I, I, I think Kershaw was pitching against guys that were on PEDs too.
4: Let's so not uh, forget true. that. Uh, Koufax was wasn't. Now, they may have been on other stuff. Greenies and LSD and yeah. stuff, but. There's a few, few cocktails in there, and who <laughs> knows what
2: else his generation was doing. Uh. But, no, I mean, you, I think you got to give Clayton Kershaw his due.
4: Oh, no, I think, he'll, I think he will be the great. He's still dominant. Like, he's throwing
2: 88-89. You know what he's doing? He's doing what the great ones do. Is I don't have my fastball anymore, but I just raised my game. And other his breaking balls have got both his slider well, and his
4: curveball are he's better. He's always had a great curveball and slider, but it, but
2: it's gotten better. Yeah,
4: because he's not throwing as hard.
2: I mean, there's something the great ones they they you lose your fa- every you know if unless you're Nolan Ryan, I mean you, you lose your fastball or
4: Justin Verlander.
2: How do you keep on winning? Verlander's not throwing as hard as he used
4: to. He's still throwing ninety eight. He's new arm though, so that might help you, helping <laughs> him.
2: Verlander cruises ninety four and then can get up there, but he's not as what he was when he was younger. Well he his average I I'll bet you whatever, his average velocity is
4: not what it used to be when he first came up with Detroit. I'd have to look, but he's also thirty nine now. If he's still throwing 97, 98. When he was
2: pitching against the A's in the playoffs, he's hovering around ninety four, ninety five. Then late in the game he was ninety eight. Yeah, that's, that's, that inc- that's
4: what's the most incredible thing about him is he ramps up well, that's late in point. the game.
2: That's my point though. It's like People adjust and move on and get better. The great ones do, and that's what Kershaw's doing And this whole thing. Like, well, will Kershaw get 3,000 strikeouts with the Dodgers? Uh, look at it. If Kershaw's willing to take less money, which he did this year and he will continue to do, why would you let him go? Yeah. Uh, stupid. He's yeah. pitching phenomenal.
4: Yeah. What, you mean future Texas Ranger Clayton Kershaw? Oh, wow. That's what everyone saying. He's from Texas.
2: Everything's negative. I'm trying to be positive here. I'm trying to win games with the A's and get ready for my show, and you're just bringing me down.
4: Yeah, I know. All right, well, that's it. We're out of time.
2: Brett Phillips, Brody Brazil, Eno Saris, and the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, David Force. We want to thank them all for stopping by A's Cast Live. We're not on tomorrow because of a day game. We're not on Thursday because of the day off. We're back Friday at
4: 2 o'clock. We're going to have Mark Kotze and... Happy birthday, Sarah Langs. Today, we'll have Sarah on on Friday.
2: Ah, the great Sarah Langs and Mark Kotze in the same show. And I'll get a twin, someone from the Twins. Mark Kotze from the Twin Cities? Well, it's back on the road again. Love it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in just a little bit for A's Total Access. Yes. Brought to you by? Chevron. And then we'll have first pitch coming up at 640.
1: The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi everyone, Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fosse line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into local Bay Area charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar.